2: Welcome to episode number 78 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so glad you're listening in today's conversation. We know you're going to be encouraged. Before we get to that content, though, I want to remind you, if you're new to our podcast, we want to say a special welcome to you. Every week, uh, the conversations we have, our mission is to encourage and equip you to better lead in your local church. And uh, we know that today's episode is going to do just that. And if you like what you hear, we invite you to subscribe you know, using YouTube or your favorite podcast listening app, and we also would love for you to rate our podcast. Really easy way to do that. You can go to rateourpodcast.com slash CLP. That would help us get the word out about our podcast, and we would need your help to do that, so
1: we appreciate it, and now for today's conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We have a special guest with us this week, our friend Tyler Island. Tyler serves as the associational mission strategist for the Chilton Baptist Association. and He's a fellow Alabamian here. Uh, he is a, a pastor who has transitioned into this role, and we are so glad to have you on the podcast this week, Tyler.
0: Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. I appreciate the invitation to come and
2: share a little bit about my story. Well, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear a little about your story. And I'll say this from from afar, you know, having met you before in person and and watched your ministry and really watching your transition, um, it has been, to me at least, it's been an encouragement and a delight uh, to see God use you in both of those roles. And so if you don't mind, give us some insight. Share a little bit of that inside information. of your heart and just the story of you making that transition and how God got you there and, and what it's been like in that transition.
0: Yeah. um, So just a little bit about my background um, and this particular role that I was uh, been very excited to serve as associational mission strategist, because it, it, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this or I'm sure a lot of listeners have experienced this, but you look back over your life and you kind of wonder sometimes Lord why Why did you lead me through so many different transitions in ministry? And so my wife and I and our family, we've done, I joke sometimes and tell people I've done everything just about except direct the WMU because I think I'm (laughs) eliminated from that based on my gender. But we've, we've been international missionaries serving in, in Congo. Uh, We planted a church, uh, attempted to plant a church in the Midwest in Springfield, Missouri, uh, I was a bivocational pastor working night shift while we were in Missouri. So we we've we've done everything. I've been full-time, part-time bivo. Um and and really we've done a lot and moved around. We feel like we've been around the world and back. And I look back on that and, and a lot of times I've wondered why. Mm. Um, because I was trained and mentored and, and I still agree with this. Hey, put down roots and stay somewhere, and that's how you'll have a significant impact. Um, by just getting rooted somewhere and staying there over the long term, and that was always my desire, even with Africa, um, but things outside of our control have led us to always seem to shift and move, and, and I look back over that, and I look at this role of being an associational missionary, mission strategist, and I, I can see now how all of those things and all of those experiences of being a missionary overseas, of being a church planner for a short period of time, of being a uh, By vocational associate pastor of discipleship in a in a church revitalization context, how all of that stuff was a part of the tapestry, the mosaic of God preparing me for this role of serving as an associational mission strategist. So um, it's been cool to to kind of be able to look back. They say hindsight's twenty twenty, and God's providences are best read like Hebrew backwards. And uh, looking looking backwards over my life, it's uh, cool to see how God has used all of those experiences to prepare me for this
2: role. So that's cool. You know, some people say hindsight is 50, 50, so, yeah. you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can relate Tyler to having that, uh, that, that background with a lot of variety in it. And yeah. I think it's helpful. I think it brings you to a place where you can sit at the table with, a lot of different people and be able to relate to them. And I know that helps you in your ministry right now, the encouraging and, and helping pastors, uh, because the majority of the pastors in our state are part time or by vocational or co vocational, uh, however you want to call it. Around that. the country. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, around the country, but especially here yeah. in, in the Southeast, we know a lot of pastors uh, are, are unable to be full time or choose to be part-time or or by vocational So that gives you a a whole lot of uh, in-depth information and experience to be able to relate to them. And that transition you made from doing all those things and including pastoring to to in this role now, uh, what kind of things have you learned from not being a pastor right now? And what thing in your short time, uh, what what kind of things are you noticing that's a difference for you looking kind of on the outside instead of being on the inside? I think, um, I mean, one thing that I've
0: just noticed is, I mean, you're always as, as a leader, as a pastor in particular within a church, you're always going to be facing criticism. That's just sort of part of it, uh, serving in any kind of leadership role, but kind of not, not being under that same, uh, pressure that local church pastors are under. And you guys, you guys know this, uh, yourselves, but, um, it's, it's been, it's been different to not be the, not be the guy making those or being involved in those kind of week to week decisions, especially through this COVID-19 season. And so kind of being more of an outside observer to what's going on in the churches, it's just increased my burden and desire to encourage pastors and to pray for them and and be an advocate for them um, with their church members. Um, And, you know, it's, it's crazy how divisive this whole COVID-19 issue um, has become, and it uh, seems like uh, the adversary is really using it to defy, divide churches. You know, something as simple as a mask is, is being used to divide congregations, and, and, um, and so I've just really um, developed a heart to encourage pastors to be their advocate and uh, encourage them and pray for them, let them know that, hey, if the whole world's upset with them about some decision they've made, at least there's one person that's here to support them and encourage them and, mm-hmm. and stand with them and, and spur them on in their ministry. So uh, that's been kind of a unique transition, uh, not being involved in that week to week, Sunday to Sunday decisions, um, but being an encouragement to pastors as they make those decisions and face criticism, no matter what they decide there's somebody that um, is going to criticize their
1: decision. So that's so needed. Um, oh, we, we really appreciate that. Um, knowing on on the behalf of all those pastors that you're encouraging and, and you're their advocate. I mean, that is so needed, especially right now, m- more than ever.
2: Yeah, because I mean, as a pastor, you feel alone. You
1: know, yeah. you really
2: do. And and yeah. Tyler, you know that. I mean, you've been there. Well, let me. Add, I want to drill down on something that we talked about. That you talked about before. I want to drill down on this a little bit. Because I didn't plan on asking about this, but when you're talking, it it just made me think. And maybe it's just me because I can relate to this. So, you know, you've had lots of transition in ministry uh, in your life. You mentioned several things that you've done. And so I'm going to drill down on that a little bit and ask you, if you don't mind sharing, Tyler, what are are some of the challenges and struggles you've faced in all those transitions? Because, look, I've been there. And I've had more transition than I want in my life in their family struggles. There were, you know, personal struggles. There, there were times I questioned myself, you know, am I doing the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? You know, am I where I'm supposed to be? Those kind of things that the evil one kind of puts in your mind. And, and I think a lot of our listeners have been through transition or thinking about it. So what are some struggles you face, challenges you face, but also what are some, what are some blessings that you have experienced in the middle of those transitions? Yeah, I think in the
0: midst of all of the transitions, so and they've all went almost all of the transitions, not all of them, but a big portion of them. It's 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 they've been challenging. Um and so uh when we transitioned to Africa, of course, that that was difficult for family members. Um and when we went to Africa, we have a one year old uh daughter. She turned one two days after we got to Congo and uh and then we had our middle child when we were there she was born in Nairobi Kenya um a middle daughter and so um that was a, a, a rough transition and then uh we had to come back from uh Congo that was an abrupt transition we had to take a medical resignation um because we had some health struggles in our family and and uh wow and so it, we literally had about a 2 week uh, turnaround where we packed up everything and uh still let, just left a lot of stuff we came back from africa with six suitcases and two kids now, did you and, sell your um, stuff before was, you
2: left i mean did you sell your house and car and all that
0: we well you know the the house we didn't own it it was uh we were renting it and so um but we did literally uh, we my wife in particular i had to go we had a week before our flight left and so we had to uh touch everything in our household there that we had uh, a, a accumulated over two years which is not m- a whole lot of time but I had to touch it all and say okay are we going to try to put this in the suitcase are we going to try to ship it and crate it back from Africa if that's even a possibility and are we just going to give it away or sell it and so we kind of had a yard sale in Africa and, <laughs> and uh wow. got rid of a lot of stuff and we did Same. intend to Same. create yeah. some stuff I back but we yeah that's right, yeah, that's right. So we never got some of our stuff back. We intended to create some of it back and had it prepared, but I have no idea to this day where a lot of that stuff went. <laughs> where so, it ended up. Yeah. It's probably in some, uh, Congolese government officials house, <laughs> I would imagine. But anyway, so we trans. that was a rocky transition and I went through kind of an identity crisis when I came back from there. Um, and so, cause I, I had put all of my eggs in the missionary basket, um, and really, I'll probably just share this, and I think this is a key takeaway for all the points of transition that I've been through, um, but it relates around identity, who I am in Christ, um, because, I, I like I said, I, I was excited about being a missionary. Um, I was a part of a church during my seminary years down in Auburn, Lakeview Baptist Church, and huge missions heartbeat in that church, and Al Jackson, the pastor who's there, who mentored me while I was in seminary, and so I was so excited about being a missionary. This was God's call on our life. And then that was seemingly taken away. And we came back here and and we're living in a mission home that a church graciously provided for us. And I remember going through this moment like, Lord, who am I now? Because I was a missionary. And uh, now my pay stub, which I didn't have a pay stub, my pay <laughs> stub never no longer says International Mission Board. Right. My geography and zip code has changed, and in that transitional moment, and I think it would apply to all of my transitional moments, uh, God really impressed upon me. My identity does not change based on my geography or my pay stub, but my identity is secure in Him, and so even though I was no longer a missionary serving uh, overseas, I still am a missionary uh, serving in my own neighborhood and wherever I go on a day-to-day basis. And so that was a big uh, lesson learned through those times of transition. And so even today, my identity is first that I'm a son of my heavenly father. Yeah. I'm a disciple. And no matter, it doesn't matter what job I work or where my income is derived from, uh, that identity in him through those transitions helps smooth
2: out some of the rockiness of of transition sometimes. Man, that is huge. I I think... It, and we're not going to. But I think if we ended the discussion right now, that's exactly what so many leaders and pastors need to hear. Your identity is not in your position. Your identity is not even in your ministry role. Because when you go through transition, that is exactly right. Tyler, I've, I've felt that. I've lived it. That identity crisis sets in. And uh, I think I think that is a huge blessing for you to say that God used that to, to solidify who you really are. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and a lot of people yeah.
1: realize how, how much we who are uh, called to some type of vocational ministry or missions uh, kind of land there. Yeah. We we have a lot of identity crises over the years because we try to tie ourselves to our ministry or the results we have or, right. or lack of results we have in ministry. And that's probably never been more evident than now. I mean, we don't have the, the, the people and the, The the classes and the programming, and a lot of people don't have the budgets right now. So, how are you encouraging pastors right now? I mean, I think that's a a great thing to talk about is is their identity is not in those things. But, how, what other ways are you encouraging and helping pastors right now to to deal with what we're dealing with? Because uh, you may be like me, and a lot of pastors probably were. We thought originally this will pass. <laughs> this will be in over e- soon. in Easter. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get over the hump. You know, we'll get to get back together at Easter. And then it was like, Whoa, maybe we'll be here until the middle of the summer. And then it was like, well, when school starts back, surely everything will kind of be, you know, normalizing. But here we are. And it looks like we're yeah. kind of in for a long haul for this. So yeah. how are you encouraging yeah. you pastors right now?
0: Well, you know, I think uh and I and I, I do the same thing with my daughters. Um and and even myself when I want to start to feel overwhelmed, which is constantly uh, just it feels overwhelming. Uh, I mean, I I like I like to get data and information and then make decisions based off that data. And like the data is always shifting, and we don't have all the information about how this is going to impact us. And so it, it's it's kind of like flying blind in a sandstorm or something. I mean, yeah. you don't know what's going on. And so my encouragement has been just do, do the next thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, you know, typically I think there's a lot of emphasis and rightly so on long-term planning. That's a good thing. Um, You know, six months. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm that, I'm that guy that like this, I I love long range planning. Uh, Like when I planned my preaching calendar, when I was a pastor, I had it planned a year in advance. So I'm that guy. Like yeah. I want a spreadsheet that tells me the trajectory and where I'm going. You know, I've, I've got the big, uh, 12 month calendar, you, on the way, you know, like, and so, but in this, in this particular time, man, it's how, how do you long range plan when you don't know what it's going to be like. And, um, and so it's just focusing on faithfulness to the Lord to do the next thing in front of you that he's got for you. And that might be encouraging somebody. Um, and I also think, you know, one good thing maybe that's come from this is a lot of the, a lot of the, the metrics that we tend to gauge success on, have, like, like you said, have kind of been stripped away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the one metric for success really is disciple-making and mm-hmm. are we faithfully reproducing disciples? And, and we, can, we can still do that, right? I mean, we can get together one-on-one and, and disciple people. Um, and so maybe it's – I've tried to think about maybe this is a recalibration for the church. Maybe this is a recalibration for, for Christian leaders to shift our emphasis off of it's important. The Sunday gathering is hugely important, but sometimes I think overemphasized in how we measure
2: success in Christian ministry. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think, I think it's an opportunity to, to evaluate, to put everything on the table. We mm-hmm. we've used that term probably if we've used it once, we've used it a million times in the last six months. And, you know, if a, you know, because your, your entire ministry, um, as, as an associational missional strategist has been in COVID. (laughs) So you, you don't have, you don't have the pre COVID ministry to base anything on. So your whole ministry has been in the middle of this pandemic, which is insane to me. It's just, it's crazy. But if you have a pastor come to you and you probably have, if you have a pastor come to you or a church leader, come to you and say, listen, you know, um, uh, I think God's using this as an opportunity. I want to see this as an opportunity rather than a challenge. I want to see it as a, as a chance for God to do something that he couldn't do or wasn't doing before that we wouldn't allow him to do before. Um, that, that now he's paved the way for, um, how do I go about that? I mean, what would you say to him? how would you, how would you give them counsel to to move forward in that recalibration?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I think just sharing those things that you know I I just mentioned a little bit that that discipleship and that's really the the focus. And um, I think that this crisis has been a good thing for churches because it's forced us to innovate and adapt. And I think that the church at its at its best is is always innovating and adapting, not changing our our message, but always evaluating our methods to see. Is this getting us where we want to go? Is this accomplishing the mission that Jesus has given to us? And so um, because everything has kind of of been cleared from the deck, so to speak, um, an encouragement I've offered to a few pastors is before you throw something back in, maybe it's a good time to evaluate and say, do we need need to continue doing this or does it need to be uh, retooled or... Or replaced with something else that's going to maybe be more effective. Um, And so, encouraging them just to not be afraid to kind of assess those things as they're adding things back into their schedule, uh, their church calendar, uh, to reassess and see
2: if it's really helping them make disciples and move forward. So, yeah, is there any way that we can tie something? To help, <laughs> because <laughs> hey, I don't think that's healthy anymore. We we need to stop doing that. We don't need to add that back, right? <laughs> Not. Yeah. I mean, we joke, but seriously, that's it's exactly right, Tyler. I think I think we talked about this on this podcast before. If if people could just see things as an opportunity given by God to get back to doing church the way God designed it, oh man, what a, what an incredible. Yeah. What an incredible
1: outcome we could have. Yeah, what opportunity we have right now to streamline and make what we're doing more effective. Uh, We use the term a lot, what's mission critical? You know, uh, it's it's an opportunity to to repurpose, to uh, even to stop doing some things or to do some new things that we need to. Because it's all about what you said. It's all about fulfilling the great commission. How do we go out and make disciples? And that is not impossible in a pandemic. It's not impossible in the midst of persecution. Uh, yeah. and, and I think we 're starting to see now the the bed we 've made and we 're laying in it uh, in the right. midst of yeah. all of it so how how can yeah. we kind of step back like you said use that that term how can we evaluate how can we prayerfully consider what we were doing versus what we need to be doing yeah. because we don 't know what 's up ahead we like you said what yeah. what is our next thing that we need to be doing to be faithful to right now to help us that 's fantastic, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us needed to 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 hear. So um, maybe there's one more thing. Maybe there's something else in your mind as we've talked today through all of this, through your talking about your experience and transition and your current ministry in our uh, a crisis that we're trying to help our churches through. What maybe in your mind right now would you like to say to somebody who's listening? Who? maybe they're discouraged or maybe they don't know what to, the next thing they need to do or or maybe they feel like they are alone in ministry and they don't have the support uh, like the pastors in in your association have uh, how how could you kind of maybe share something in in our closing time to encourage them
0: yeah and, um i would say i'm i'm right there with them to be totally honest with you uh feeling like you don't know you don't know what to do and so I'm obviously I'm pretty I'm pretty young for this role. Um I think I'm the youngest, me and I think there's one other guy I actually went to Sanford with that we graduated together, uh David Hobson at Mud Creek Association. I think we're the same age, but I think we're two of the youngest uh people in this role of AMS. And and to be honest with you, there's there's weeks and months where uh you know, I had that trajectory laid out, I had a solid foundation laid for me here in our association, but because of COVID and all the disruption, um, there's, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, we're making plans for our annual meeting right now, trying to decide how to do that, how to modify it in October. And, and all those things and all those details, we had agonizing decisions this summer about, do we do our kids camp? Do we cancel it? Do we try to modify it? And kind of, guess one, one, uh, thing that has helped me. And and I wish I knew the reference right off mind and I should know it. Um, it's in the old Testament, but, um, and I can't even remember who said it, but when I don't know what to do, my eyes are on you. You guys know where that reference is or, um, but anyway, that, that passage has, has really stuck. Second Chronicles. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay. I I thought that might've been where it was, but I wasn't totally positive. So, but just, just that, like, um, you know, I think sometimes, especially in, as Christian leaders, um, one of the one of the constant threats to us is um, self-assuredness or self-confidence. Or you know, we we've got this strategy, we've got this plan, we've got everything mapped out for how we think this strategic plan where it's going to take us and where it's going to lead. And and we can lose our trust and our desperation for Jesus, like mm. in the midst of that. And so, you know, I know that in our experience of going to Africa and, and I always talk about Africa, and I feel like I talk about it too much, but it was such a formative time in our yeah. lives um, because in going there, a lot of things got exposed in me. Um, a lot of kind of props got knocked out um, from under me when I was there. And um, you really get desperate for the Lord um, when you're when you have all those props kind of knocked away from you. And so I, that would be my encouragement is, you know, if you don't know what to do, don't don't let that be a discouragement, but let that um uncertainty drive you to to Jesus. Um and just say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my my eyes are on you. I'm gonna fix my attention on you and follow you step by
1: step through this that's, through this that's difficulty. I mean What you just said right there, I mean, our growing dependence on the Lord, what you learned in two years in the Congo and Africa, a lot of pastors are experiencing something very similar to that right now. I mean, we feel like we are waking up every day in a foreign place, uh, attempting to do ministry in a way we've never been prepared to do ministry. So that's fantastic. Uh, Our eyes should be on the Lord and complete uh, total dependence on him and, and what we're to do next. That's great. Well, man, that was so encouraging to me. I needed to hear, I needed to have this
2: conversation today. So, uh, we, we just thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate, uh, you spending some time just to let us pick your brain.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I, again, appreciate the invitation and hopefully, uh, something that I've shared, uh, brought some encouragement to others that listen to the podcast
2: as well. So yeah.
1: yeah, we know people who have listened today. Uh, are are definitely going to be helped.
2: Yeah, they're going to be encouraging and equipped. So uh, we appreciate it,
1: and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.